0: The twenty twenty three NHL draft is in the books. Toronto adding three prospects to the pipeline will break down each and every selection. And Brad Chilliving starting to get some clarity as to who he might be targeting in free agency. All that more coming up on the Lockdown Lease Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leaf centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morisuti. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, same with the vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Exclusions uh, apply. What's going on, Dave? The draft officially in the books. Toronto making three selections. They didn't move up the draft board, down the draft board. They were they they stuck and they pick at every single selection. Uh, How you feeling about uh, overall how the Leafs draft uh, turned out this year?
1: Well, I took my nap watching the draft. uh, You know, I thought the Leafs. (laughs) I thought the you know. With three picks, I didn't have big expectations for them to be able to really do much in this draft. It just, I mean, the draft itself didn't really have much going for it, right? Like there are a few picks moved around, but like nothing substantial. I don't know what GMs are kind of waiting for here. Like there, there are times where we always hear about there's a lot going to happen at the draft and then it crickets. But considering how many teams have players that are likely going to be available Heading into July 1st, I was a little surprised that we didn't hear a lot of news, not even a lot of chatter about anything being closed. So if you're working as, I mean, myself especially, working as someone who covers deals uh, and real-time news, uh, that usually the night before free agency is when ca- things kind of get a little silly. So if you don't see anything by draft time, that's usually when teams, especially players who have no trade clause, Signing bonuses—that's generally when you start to see some of that movement. So hopefully we do because it's been—it's uh, been real hard to find anything uh, exciting to really talk about in terms of moves and transactions.
0: Yeah, Brad Trilliving spoke in his presser uh, earlier today, and he was kind of asked why he felt that there wasn't as much movement on the draft floor as there typically is. And the reason he gave was that he felt a lot of teams had different draft boards and guys really liked certain players at certain spots, and there wasn't a whole lot of pick movement. Keep in mind, zero trades in the first round. It was the first time since 2007 where that occurred. There wasn't a whole lot of trading also that happened on day two, not a whole lot of uh, players that got dealt as well. Sometimes we'll see some guys go, um, you know, on day two is, is typically when we'll see some of the mid-level trades. There were a couple, you know, a couple guys who ended up getting dealt and whatnot. Corey Perry finds himself uh, in Chicago. He signed a four-year deal as well. Like that one for, you know, a, a, a day two draft pick and, you know, a couple other deals as well. But overall, uh, yeah, I I think uh, from a Toronto perspective, you know, there wasn't a whole lot that they could do with the three picks that they had. They had that first uh, first round pick, 28th overall, in which they took Easton Cowan uh, from the London Knights. And then they had to wait all the way to pick 153 in the fifth round, in which they took Hudson Malinowski. Um, center from the AJHL's Brooks Bandits. And then in the sixth round, they got uh, a defenseman in Noah Chadwick, Chadwick of the Lethbridge Hurricane. So why don't we kind of break these guys down one by one, Dave, and uh, kind of go over what they both, uh, what all three of these guys, I suppose, might be able to bring to the prospect pipeline Um so why don't we start obviously really quickly we can go over Easton Cowan for those who missed we did a show yesterday obviously we do daily podcasts here on Locked On Leafs and we went into um you know we talked about Easton Cowan already yesterday we went into quite you know big depth and detail but anything else that maybe you you read up on today or or you know anything else that you want to talk about Easton Cowan I suppose for those who didn't see yesterday's podcast we'll just chat quickly about him. he's a 5'11 Ford, 170 pounds, had uh, 53 points in 68 games in the regular season, but then 21 points in 20 games in the playoffs. And uh, Dave, I was listening to the director of scouting for the Maple Leafs, Wes Clark, talking about Cowan, and, and he used these words to describe him. Big engine, big motor, relentless, strong intelligence on and off the puck. And he noted how Cowan... Um, started the year with limited minutes and saw progression through the season where he elevated in the playoffs, worked his way up to the top line for London through the playoffs. Um, So that that's really a, that was a good sign and they like to see that. And again, we've heard from multiple scouts um, and draft hockey analysts and prospect analysts that he was one of the best players on the London Knights by the end of the season in the OHL final. So, uh, they decided to, what some believe, go off the board to get a, pro- a project pick. Someone who showed some late flash, but uh, certainly still um, a, a prospect that has a little bit of developing to to do still at his frame. And even Wes Clark came out and said um, he acknowledged that he's got a long way to go, not to expect him with the leaves anytime soon, and pretty much said, yes, he's a project pick, but we still think we got a good one down the line.
1: Yeah, I think uh, they really value what he did in the playoffs, they like his competitiveness. Like I watched a lot of like the highlights that have been out there on, on uh, Easton uh, Cowan and you're seeing a player that he's, he's always driving play forward, right? That's something that, you know, he has a good pace to him. He's, he's got actually decent playmaking skills too. He's always looking for those, uh, you know, those high scoring plays. So there, there are things that he's going to have to develop and work on, but, you're you're not going to find a better situation for him to do that than with the london knights and yeah that playoff run he had i'm sure you know the leaves definitely appreciated the steps he took and how how much improvement he showed over the year rather than focusing solely on what he did before then so it's all about seeing how much more he can move forward at this point
0: yeah and that's the name of the game for a lot of these draft picks that uh, the maple leafs like to get you know west clark um, did come out and, and stress that they do uh, typically and often like to take players who develop over over the year and they take a lot of stock into the playoffs. Uh, and all three of the players that they selected at this draft all had strong playoff performances. So uh, it, it it's you kind of know where the, the Maple Leafs are leaning. And it makes sense, right? The Leafs, they want guys who compete and play their best hockey in the postseason. I mean, that's where they've lacked for a long time. So if they can draft guys who do that, maybe eventually uh, that'll you know be different with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, so that's Easton Cowan, the first pick who they took 28th overall. Um, you know, centerman for uh, the London Knights, and he'll return to London next year and be a big part of that program with the Hunters. And that was something else that uh, I, I kind of saw floating around. Uh, you know, the Twitter sphere saying, Hey, look, if, if the, the hunters are giving Easton Cowan uh, big minutes and they rely on him and they think that he can, he can live up to it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you got to earn those minutes in that organization. He certainly did and got himself all the way up to the top line and was someone who was defending leads late in games. And uh, that's, those are all really good things about a, a young prospect like Easton Cowan, but we'll see what happens. You know, it's it's not about when you get picked. Now it's all about development and how does he develop, right? Plenty of first-round bust, but also plenty of uh day two uh guys who turn out some Hall of Fame careers. So at this point, he's drafted. Now it's up to him to put in the work and uh become the best player he can for the Maple Leafs. Uh as for uh, the other two players that Toronto selected on day two. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and then we'll detail Hudson Melanowski and uh, Noah Chadwick and tell you all about those two guys who the Leafs add to their prospect pipeline. But before we get into that, Dave, have a word from one of our show sponsors today.
1: Yep, today's show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. It is a product that I use every day. And mainly that's because it's hard to find that all-in-one supplement uh, for your get yourself that healthy nutritional insurance every day and you know if you want to eat healthy and eat well it's easier said than done But that's no longer the case with ag1 because with one delicious scoop of ag1 and a glass of water each day you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help start your day off right a special blend of green supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, recovery, energy, focus, and aging, all of those things. It can be hard and expensive to keep track of multiple supplements and vitamins, not to mention how hard. It can be on your, your stomach. AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, and you're investing in your health, and it's cold and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And AG1 has got some great offers for you. And if uh, if you're looking for that comprehensive solution to your supplemental routine, Then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out to get the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
0: Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DeStefano with my co-host Dave Uh, If you're new to the show, it's your first time checking us out. We appreciate it. Hopefully, you're enjoying the content that uh, that we're giving to you guys. And just know that this is a daily Maple Leaf centric podcast. So you can find it wherever you find your audio podcasts from. Also up on YouTube. We, uh, we got new plots coming out each and every day. Uh, so if you want to know what's going on with the Maple Leafs on a day-to-day basis, make sure you're locked into the Locked on Leafs podcast. Uh, and speaking of day-to-day, day two saw the Leafs uh, add two more prospects to their pipeline. Uh, the first one was in the fir- fifth round at 153rd overall. Hudson Malinowski, a centerman from the AJHL Brooks Bandits, six foot one, 175-pound frame. He was an overager, born in 2004, so it was his second go-round in uh, in the NHL draft. Was passed up last year, and then ends up landing with the Maple Leafs in the fifth round this year. Uh, Dave, he's described as a good skater with a hard shot and above-average puck handling skills. But uh, scouts say needs to work on his defensive game. But he did have a growth spurt this past year, and uh, the thought process is potentially he can grow into that uh, projectable frame, and that can kind of help him with, uh, with with his size. Could help him with his defensive game. And he's going to uh, he's going to the NCAA this year in Providence College, where they should be able to help him with that as well and play against some men. So you know, uh, another kid who, uh, again, whether it's coming up big in, in the playoffs, in which he did, I'll note that in a sec, but also looking at size, right? Someone who has, is, can play maybe two ways in, in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, with the Brooks Bandits, they won the Centennial Cup Tournament. He ended up third in goals and second in points and scored two goals in the championship game at that tournament as well. So when we talk about playoff performers, Hudson Malinowski also uh was a playoff performer. um Your thoughts on this pick, Dave?
1: Well, I read a, an interesting story about him too. That you know he might not have ever been able to play hockey again because he actually was shoveling uh snow off the roof. <laughs> yeah, which what you usually do, however, out in Saskatchewan. And he actually fell; it was a twelve foot fall. He thought he had a concussion, but it was actually like a. It was like some torn, uh, I can't even say that horn it, it, vertebral artery. Yeah, in his neck. So basically, the there was interference with blood flow to the brain. He had a surgery that was never done before at this hospital. Like, yeah, it's something you definitely want to hear when you're having a surgery like that. But uh, he was able to recover. He was able to get himself back to playing hockey. And yeah, this is someone that you know the Leafs were really really happy to get. I know that. Some people were questioning again, you know, a guy who's coming out of the AJHL, you don't hear like a a lot of those picks, but I think he's a, he's someone that again, is going to a really good situation in Providence. He's going to have a lot of time to develop. He's going to have, uh, again, you mentioned adding weight and things like that. Those NCAA facilities will, and you know, what they have to offer kids there. It's, uh, it's important. Um, for that. And I'm sure that also might have factored into the decision for the Leafs to draft him as well. So, Wes Clark said they were really happy to get him. The scouting staff really put their uh, really put forward that they really want to get him. So, uh, let's see. Hopefully, again, this is another player that you, you got to start eventually finding these fifth and sixth round guys that could potentially play games for you down the road. So, uh, another guy we'll be definitely keeping an eye on in the NCAA for the years to come.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and I think it's big that he's going to the NCAA. It'll it'll give him, uh, well, it'll give the Maple Leafs a better understanding about where he is at as a hockey player. You know, the competition between the AJHL and the in the NCAA is is much higher, so he'll get an, a chance to see you know how he is against uh, against you know a better talent, essentially, for lack of a better word, and see how it translates with higher level of competition. So. um, yeah, that'll definitely be a player to be watching over the next little bit. Uh I, I saw someone say that he projects to be a, a more of a bottom six NHLer, maybe a guy who transitions to the wing at some point in his career. But overall, yeah, went through a lot of adversity. Like that story was insane. I, I read the same thing, and uh, I think he was like 13 years old at the time when it happened. And you know, it took him seven months before he was even able to get back on his skates, and that seven months at 13 years old playing bantam hockey—those are key years of of development when you're being scouted at at a young age. And you know, the, the, when you first look at the elite prospects page or the Hockey DB page, and you see that he was playing, you know, in junior B hockey. A year ago, you kind of said, hmm, what's that all about? And then you kind of read the story, and he, he was just a late bloomer because he lost all that development, and he wasn't scouted heavily uh, as a kid. And then he decided to stick around one extra year um, also in uh, in that league before going to the Brooks Bandits, which, uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with the uh, AJHL, which is the Alberta Junior Hockey League, the Brooks Bandits are, I mean, one of the best uh, teams in that league, and they have been for many, many years. They're like the London Knights of the AJHL. So uh, he he clearly went to a, a good sc- a good squad, and they know how to to breed talent. A lot of NHLers have come from the uh, the Brooks Bandits. I, was Kale McCarr. Brooks was he from the Brooks Bandits? I Care if it was Kale McCarr or not, but he did play in the AJHL. He was drafted out of the AJHL. Uh, Kale McCarr was, if I recall, it was the
1: Brooks Bandits. You are right. Yeah,
0: so Kel McCarr, also from the Brooks Bandits organization, right? So, you know, they know how to develop players over there, and uh, not to say that, uh, you know, Hudson's going to be as good at an NHL star as as uh, as Kel McCarr, obviously, but, you know, potentially he becomes an NHLer and, and at some point is uh, a good depth piece for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So um, just a really good story, though, a feel-good story. You know, I, I'm sure a year ago when he got passed up, he's thinking to himself, maybe I won't ever get drafted into the NHL, especially after all the adversity that he had to overcome um, with the procedure that he had had during his fall. You know, didn't go to the WHL, took a you know different path to get where he's at, but heard his name. and He was in the building, too, in the building today, and a lot of friends and family were there. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's really cool that he was there and um, was excited to uh to be a, a Toronto Maple Leaf. He grew up a Leafs fan, actually, and uh, grew up a Crosby and a Austin Matthews fan. Says he styles his game and his shot after Austin Matthews. And also noted that Maddie Bruniers is a player that he likes to watch as well. So I mean if he can blend some Matthews offensive game with some Matty Brenier's defensive game or a Crosby defensive game, you might have a decent player here in Hudson um Malinowski. So We'll see what ends up happening with him, but he's off now uh, to the NCAA after being with the Brooks Bandits. He'll be with Providence College. So if you want to keep up to date with uh, with this kid, um, you're going to have to watch him in uh, at Providence College next season. Uh, next up in the sixth round, the Maple Leafs made uh, the selection at 185th overall. It was left shot defenseman Noah Chadwick of the WHL Lethbridge. Hurricanes, big Guy, Dave, big dude, six foot four, 187 pounds as an 18 year old from Saskatoon. So he's got he. He just sounds like a farm boy. I don't know if he was a farm boy or not, but he just sounds like he grew up on a farm in Saskatoon and he just legitimately moved hay bales as a kid for a living and and played hockey as his side gig. And now all of a sudden he's he's you know going off the farm and going to be doing some things. With uh, with Lethbridge and hopefully with the with the Maple Leafs, um, I, I did see Wes Clark describe uh, Noah Chadwick as uh, he's long and moves the puck. Another upside guy that checks a lot of boxes for us is what he had to say about Chadwick. Uh, had 20 points in 67 games this season for the Lethbridge Hurricanes, but despite the low point totals, Dave scouts say that Noah Chadwick displays good offensive instincts, often looking for sticks in the slot. I saw a statistic out there that he had a really high slot passes per 60 metric. um, And also has strong intuition in the transition game with a high exit rate. Also ranked highly in entry prevention with strong gap control, uh, defending the rush. Um, So we'll see if, uh, you know, Noah Chadwick can turn out to be a, a NHL defenseman at some point. So it's, you know it's tough when you get down to these later selections 5th 6th 7th round but it's it's certainly not impossible but uh, it's going to be a long long way and there's a lot of uh development uh, that uh, Noah Chadwick will have to do before putting on the blue and white
1: yeah and uh yeah a lot of people are saying that what's kind of holding him back it's not his size he's got you know there's there's good tools there he just needs to work on his skating his yeah. skating and his stake handling so this is obviously another another guy who they hoping uh, you know maybe slip through the crack, cracks a little bit here has some some things that can you can really you know bank on to really help develop and push him forward. Um, so I think the fact that he's also good off the rush that's something the Leafs really wanted really good really good uh, you know in that in those regards. So I think. Again, the size is is actually interesting because you know we don't see the least drafting for size, you know, and it seemed like a lot of teams were doing that. Like, you, if I was like reading a lot of like what the what the analysts were saying, you know, the Calgary Flames went for size over skill and things like well, I that. Was,
0: I think it was the uh, the Coyotes didn't draft a single yeah. player under six feet today uh, yeah. in the last two days. Not one player was under six foot.
1: Yeah, so okay. it's it's. It's interesting because you, you know GMs don't like to say they like to copy what other teams do, but it's also clear that when you see what Vegas did, um, you know there's there's teams banking more on what size can do for uh, for players rather than you know in in some ways the skill that the players possess. Which I don't know. I I, I prefer to go with guys who might have you know that skill and you can kind of use bank use that to your advantage, but. That's not Noah Chadwick, though. He's not just a big defensive defenseman. There are some, there is upside there. So we'll just see if he can continue to push that forward.
0: Yeah, good upside swing in the sixth round, right? You get a toolsy guy who's got good, uh, you know, good length, good size, and then has some instincts offensively. If skating is kind of the uh, the one thing that's holding him back, guess what the Maple Leafs have? a really good skating development team led by Barb Underhill, who's done wonders with a lot of players. So if if she can get her hands on Chadwick in, uh, you know, in rookie camps and, and you know, eventually when this guy gets to the Marlies for a couple of years, you know, maybe he can learn how to skate better. Um, and all of a sudden now you got more of a dynamic player in, in Noah Chadwick. It's no guarantees he gets to the NHL, obviously, when you're picked uh, picked low like that. But there's a chance, there's a possibility that it could happen. Like I saw, he was ranked as high as the 117th player in the draft by daily faceoff. He ended up going 185, so a little bit of value. I think I saw Scott Wheeler, though, when he was putting out his analysis on on uh, every team. A, he said the Maple Leafs were given uh, like a C grade, maybe it was, and was considered one of the losers of the draft and projected Chadwick as, as more than likely you know, like a top AHL defenseman than, uh, than a depth NHL defender, but we'll see what ends up happening with the kid, but that's the draft class for the Maple Leafs here in 2023. Uh, you got Easton Cowan, you've got Hudson Malinowski, and you've got Noah Chadwick defenseman. So we'll see what these kids can do in uh, you know, four or five years when we can properly actually evaluate them. Cause we could say whatever we want today, but ultimately, it's on them from here on out. If they can develop into, uh, you know, some some capable NHLers, good on them. It's going to be all uh, all about their development from here on out. No one remembers that uh, who Jamie Benn was a fifth-round pick, that Goudreau was a fourth-round pick. You know, Braden Point was a third-round pick. No one cares because guess what? They turned out to be stars in the NHL. The draft selections don't matter anymore, and, and that's the case for these kids as well. It matters on draft day, but then after that, it's all about, all right, what can you do now? You're in the organization. You have all the same tools as everybody else. What can you do for us now? So we'll see a few years how uh, how this draft class pans out for uh, the Maple Leafs and what is technically sort of Brad Trilliving's first uh, first draft class sort of although i believe that this noah chadwick character he kind of seems like uh true living may have had a say in this one no from
1: lethbridge alberta yeah i would i would say that there must have been some like i'm not i don't think brad children is just like sitting back saying all right guys do your thing i think he's gonna have an input or two on the guys that were taken and you know i'm sure i'm sure the leafs you know, he, they had him on. There's probably some similarities between their board and Calgary's board. And he's saying, well, yeah, I saw this guy. thought he's pretty good. You guys on board? What do you think? And that's usually how those things how those things turn out in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of Brad True Living, he spoke after the draft as well. So we'll uh, touch on some of the highlights from that press conference and uh, get to some of the news and notes ahead of free agency. Quick turnaround. Quick turnaround, you've got one day to gather yourself as an organization before you get going with uh, the free agent frenzy, which starts tomorrow at noon. So uh, yeah, really, really quick turnaround. So we'll come back, chat about what True Living had to say and get to some of the news and notes uh, ahead for agency, uh, 24 hours out. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Studio. You're listening to the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked on Leafs podcast. I'm Mike Stefano with my co-host Dave Morsuti. The draft in the rearview mirror. It's over. It's done. And now we move forward to free agency, which begins tomorrow, Dave. Tomorrow is when free agency is. It's insane that these general managers and these teams and organizations have only one day to not only travel back from Nashville, which I don't know if you're seeing what's going on over there, but apparently there's just some like crazy weather patterns that have been going on. The smoke and like there's delays everywhere. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yet, uh, it doesn't matter. For Agent Frenzy still kicks off July 1 at uh, at noon. And there's some interesting things that, uh, that was said today from Brad Trilliving in regards to some of the current pending UFAs that the Maple Leafs had. Maybe uh, there's some rumblings of some players that he could be targeting uh, for the Maple Leafs on on, uh, on July 1 when free agency kicks off. So we'll kind of go through those names uh, right now. So we'll start off with what he was talking about in his press conference and talking about the pending Leafs, UFAs, spoke and, and said, quote, we like the players, but we haven't found a number that works. That's kind of in response to, Everyone but Camp ultimately, because David Camp is the only pending UFA that they were able to sign to a contract. In which Brad Shulving was asked about it, and he said that he felt that Camp's deal was a, at a manageable number at two point four million, and is very well liked by the staff, and and he liked him uh, as well when he got to know uh, Camp and and understand you know kind of what he's all about. Sheldon Keefe also spoke on uh, on David Camp and said. He's a guy who can play 3C, 4C. He can take on big, important minutes. He he does a lot of good things for us. So um, is there more free agents that the Maple Leafs have that they're going to uh, be able to get done? Uh, Dave, what do you think? Do you think we get any more of these pending UFAs locked into contracts before they become free agents at noon on July 1st?
1: I was kind of hoping they would figure out the loop. Uh, like, maybe if they can get Luke Shen back, but Brad Chilving did make it seem like prices to get players right now signed seem to be higher than, than normal. They felt comfortable with the camp deal, so they um, they went with that one. I'm sure maybe the other ones, like, you know, Shen, O'Reilly, Achari, like those were kind of the three I was looking at. He's probably seeing the prices for them being a little bit higher. And usually what happens is if, you know, the Leafs put an offer and the player has a, a number of mine, they got in free agency and they say, not really getting that number. And they kind of circle back. It's, it does happen, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure that between, you know, the, the one day that the Leafs have, they're going to try to make that push again for those, you know, for those three guys, I would say maybe more so Shen and O'Reilly based on what we've heard, you know, the la- the last week. Um, if, if we don't see anything tomorrow, I'm not really optimistic that they're going to come back because as soon as the open market's out there and teams who have a lot more cap space to play with are probably going to make offers that they can't know those players will likely want to take.
0: And just a reminder, the current pending UFAs that the Maple Leafs have are Noel Chari, Zach Aston Reese, Michael Bunting, Alex Kerfoot, Ryan O'Reilly, Wayne Simmons, Eric Gustafson, Justin Hall and Luke Shen. Uh, those guys uh, technically re- redeems Zahorna. Horna, also is a pending UFA, as is uh, Jordy Ben. Eric Schalgren actually, a G6 UFA. So Eric Schalgren could be uh, out the door as well. We'll see. They got a, they've got got a lot of goaltenders, so I wouldn't be shocked if that is the case. Um, and then a couple of guys they have as restricted free agents, Matt Hollowell, Phillip Kroll, uh, SDA, which we'll see what happens there. Um, Nick Abruzzese is uh, is an RFA, along with Victor Mete, Ilyas and uh, Ilyas Samsonov. So those are all of the guys in need of contracts, uh, whether they get one or not. Those are the players that uh, are cr- not currently with a contract for next season with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But yes, as you mentioned, uh, it, it appears that talks are still ongoing. With uh, Luke Shen and Ryan O'Reilly in particular, it appears that everybody else that I just mentioned, the, the UFAs at the very least, um, will probably end up going to free agency and we might not see them back. I think Kerfoot actually, it sounds like Kerfoot, they're also still kind of in comunicato with his agent. Uh, we'll see where that ends up going. But right. yeah, I know. I know, Dave. I know. But hey, you know, he's the Swiss Army knife. They love him. Sheldon loves this guy. You know, he does any chance like a rusted Swiss Swiss army Army
1: knife. That just is not useful anymore.
0: Dude. I wish he was rusty. At least if he was rusty, you know, it probably would, you know, be a grinder, but, uh, dude, anytime Keith has a chance to shake things up, the first move he does is typically move Kerfoot up to the top six. So (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if, if he's a cheap, I don't even know. I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening with, with I just play. think
1: you got to go different. You just got to go with something different. Cause yeah, like, someone like, yes, he did score that one overtime goal, but then what else was there? Really? I think what he had a goal against Florida. He's a
0: good penalty killer. Like he, he is a good penalty killer. So that, that, that certainly helps, but yeah, you, you probably do want to go in, in a bit of a different direction. And speaking of different direction, um, this is where other reports are starting to surface on where the Leafs might be leaning in terms of their free agent priorities. A couple of outlets now um, out there talking about the Maple Leafs and what they could do on July 1st and two names uh, popped up Ryan Reeves and Austin Watson. What's your take on either of those two being declared priorities for the Maple Leafs come July 1.
1: I mean, I know a lot of Leafs fans who have wanted to see the Leafs get. Ryan Reeves, I remember when he was... I think he was traded from New York to Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. And people were just like, why didn't the Leafs do that? Why didn't the Leafs do that? I'm like, well, Ryan Reeves had a pretty expensive contract.
0: Yeah, like
1: $2.5 Yeah, like, he's not a $2.5 million player. Like, he's... You know... I will say this, unlike some of these fourth liners out there, he can still somewhat be useful. Um,
0: no, no, Dave. Honestly, like I don't think so. Like,
1: like not like, I'm not going to pay the guy like a, like if you're going to get if you rather have you rather have him over Wayne Simmons if they're trying to get that type of player.
0: Yes, right? but I also don't want Wayne Simmons.
1: <laughs> no, I don't want Wayne Simmons. I don't want Austin Watson either. I don't know what he would provide. Like,
0: we're talking about a guy who had five goals this year. In how many games? 60, 73, seventy-three. Five mm-hmm. goals in seventy-three games this year. Five goals in sixty-nine games last year. One goal the year before that. He, he's never scored double-digit goals. Actually, his highest is nine. His second year in Vegas, nine goals, twenty points um, with the Vegas Golden Knights in their. That would have been their second year. Uh, I want to say, of uh, of as, as a franchise, had 74 PIMS that year as well. Inter- wait, he only had 31 penalty minutes in 61 games with the Wild this year. Did he not get into as many fights as I remember?
1: I probably had to have been it because, like, I-, I know fighting has gone down and you have to have willing combatants, but I wouldn't expect it to be that much of a decline.
0: But that's what Ryan Reeves is really supposed to do—is he's kind of a sheriff out there, who hey, you mess with my guy, I'm gonna drop you like a sack of potatoes. Like that's the only reason why you bring Ryan Reeves in. He becomes the boogeyman that Wayne Simmons was a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, it, it, that's just kind of what he is—he's a fighter. That—that's it. He's not gonna provide you much offense but he will maybe potentially the thought process is um you know be a bit of a peacekeeper out there where guys can't take liberties on austin matthews or liberties on matthew nyes like we saw sam bennett doing the playoffs and if there is then you know there'll be there'll be hell to pay you'll have to answer to ryan reeves and if that's something that that you know you think is worth having to lineup on a nightly basis okay sure um but i don't think it should be much more June. than a million dollar contracts like no, if anything more than that to me it's an overpayment and not something that i'd really want to be a part of to be quite honest with you
1: i mean i'd rather have i had i'd rather have size and someone that has more scoring ability to them like that would be a better use of the cap space but yeah, i know there's no way i would be entertaining ryan reeves at anything like if it's if that number starts with one, I'm already gonna be pissed. <laughs> like, like I'm not right, saying yeah. Can't. Like nine fifty, eight
0: hundred k, maybe like something in in that realm. Like, sure, of course, sign a guy to a league minimum contract that can be buried if you feel like he just doesn't have the the legs anymore to play. Like, he's not a young dude either. He's thirty six years old now.
1: Like, yeah, he's he's I don't know he. He's, he's, he's not he's, a uh, mover in any way. Like I'm not. I'm not like. I like. I I don't hate that. The, what they're trying to do in terms of adding physicality, but at the same time, I feel like there's other guys. If you want to go that route, that I would like to see the least. I mean, well, I don't
0: know. physicality like that. This is where this is where Vegas. This is why Vegas wins. They oh, added God. guys who have physicality, right? Ivan Barbashev, very physical player. You saw that guy. He was a a piss missile out there, hitting everything that moved. Right? You saw defensively they had guys like Nick Hag, who was out there, and he was hitting things that moved. But guess what? They can also do skate and play hockey, and they're pretty good at it. So, it just dudes who are just out there who are just intimidating to me. Uh, call me, call me, call me new school, I suppose. But I don't think that's a way to build uh, a winning brand of hockey. Like, yes, Vegas, they were big. And they were tough to play against, but those guys could also play hockey and score. And that is the name of the game at the end of the day. That that's That's kind of my reasoning, I suppose, for not being as enthusiastic on Ryan Reeves. Like, yeah, he's big and I know they want to add size, but I would like you to add guys with size who also have skill, if you know what I mean.
1: Like to me, I would rather go after a guy. Like I would rather bring back a Nola If you want to bring guys who are physical, right. can also score. I would like the Leafs to consider trying to go out and trade for like a and Kraus, someone yeah. who's big, physical, and well, can also right. play hockey, as you say.
0: What about Garnett Hathaway? What about Garnett Hathaway? Like a cheaper version?
1: Yeah, I mean he can score. He's you know we know he can be nasty. Um Probably a guy the Bruins would want to have back if I'm not like
0: probably, but like as of right now, this moment, he is a pending UFA, just someone who I tossed right. out there who's you know could still play the game a little bit, has some scoring touch, and who you can rely on to play yeah, 82 games. But uh, well, we'll see what ends up happening there. But obviously, uh, if if those two names are being brought up, we didn't even talk about Austin Watson, but he's pretty much in the same mold as uh, as a Ryan Reeves. If those two guys are being brought up. Um, clearly there's an MO there for Toronto to, to get bigger. Uh, that's for sure. Um, anything else stick out to you from what Brad true had to say and, uh, maybe some breadcrumbs that you've read, uh, or that you've heard, um, about what the lease might be doing in the next uh, couple of days here.
1: Well, I think he, he brought up the reality of the fact that the, you know, in the last few years, the cap has only gone up $2 million. And that's really made things tough for general managers. I mean, look—you're seeing players just being thrown away for nothing. Thank you, Gary. This you're just like demeaning a lot of players, where they're just cap dumps because you know teams want to get better, and the only way they can do that is to trade guys. Who, yes, like a like a Josh Bailey, not a five million dollar player anymore. So, like, I can get that, but it's you want movement. You want to see teams try to make trades and try to do things, you know, to make their teams better. And it's like, yeah, no, we can't. Gary says we only can spend this much. <laughs> and that's, that to me is, I, it's going to, teams going to have to get really creative to do moves. And, you know, we're going to see players potentially getting traded for less than what you'd expect because there's only so many teams that will be able to pull off the deals that are necessary because of the cap space. So I think... That's just a sense I got. He's making it seem like, you know, it's not nor- out of the ordinary to uh, to expect these type of uh, deals to happen. So I just hope the Leafs can find a way to make some moves because I, I still think the trade route could potentially be the best route to make those significant improvements that they need to make.
0: Yeah, uh, Agreed. In um, one of those trade chips, could end up being William Nylander. Sounds mm-hmm. as though they're not particularly close on a contract extension. Um, I was reading that uh, Willie is more so in the nine and a half to ten and a half million dollar range for an annual average uh, value in Toronto. Really trying to keep it under nine million. So um, we know that that modified no trade clause kicks in on July first, and like that's not a a Beyond. big deterrent. No, because regardless, whoever you're trading him to, you're probably going to try and work out a, a sign and trade anyways so mm-hmm. you can get you know the package that you deserve for moving on from a guy like Nylander. So you're not going to trade him to Arizona for whatever. You're going to trade him to a team that he wants to go to, uh, sign an extension already, and then you end up getting whatever haul that you agree to to come back the other way. So I don't look at that. July one, I don't look at that, uh, modified no trade that kicks in as really him gaining much leverage. I think the leverage is, sorry, there to be honest with you, even pre July one, um, mm. it's, it's definitely there, but if, if, you know, Brad tree feels that that gap can't be closed and there's still going to be, you know, million plus gap between them, um, potentially Nylander does find himself, uh, in a different city, different zip code, and that's the way that they create cap space uh, and and maybe make those changes on the blue line to you know make uh, reshape this core and reshape the way that this team is built. That's one possibility. Uh, lastly, also there was uh, discussion today as well. Um, I'm gonna send you this tweet here too if you want to bring it up. It's a tweet the tweet that I had earlier today. But the one other thing that was brought up, so the buyout window. Is uh, it ends today, actually? And Brad Trilling came out and said he's not expected to use a buyout tomorrow. And obviously, everybody was wondering on Matt Murray if that was going to be a scenario in which they they buy him out. Um, but he did note that there is a second buyout window uh, that could potentially uh, factor in here. Um, if you could just yeah scroll down to the buyout period uh, here. So, buyouts can start uh, on the later of June 15 or 48 hours after the playoffs end. And the buyout period ends at on June 30th at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, teams, and this is where it gets kind of interesting. Teams may receive an additional buyout window. If a team has a player go to arbitration and it is either settled or awarded... The team receives a new 48-hour buyout window beginning three days after the arbitration settlement or award. The only contracts that are eligible to be bought out, however, uh, in this window are for players with cap hits greater than $4 million, and they were on the team's roster at the last trade deadline. So, um, Matt Murray checks those boxes in terms of, being a four plus million dollar player and was on the Maple Leafs roster at the trade deadline. Now, in order to get that second buyout window, they do have to take a player to arbitration. They have three ARB eligible RFAs right now. Yeah. Ilya Samsonov, Victor Mete and Matt Colwell. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that they take Samsonov to arbitration. Um, And maybe they settle because typically this stuff does get settled beforehand anyway. But I believe all they need is the date to be set. I don't think they actually have to go through arbitration. It just has to, the process has to have been started because it said settled, right? It's
1: either settled or awarded. So basically, they settle if they basically elect for arbitration, but they settle before the arbitration date, then the 48 hour window begins.
0: Right, and that's that's what I think is probably what will end up happening here. Where if you are the Maple Leafs, do you really want to buy out Matt Murray, um, and then not be able to bring back Ilya Samsonov, and now all of a sudden you're sitting there with Joseph Wall and nobody, and it's now you know middle of August, and so why make that that move so hastily when? that's still going to be an option down the road potentially for, for this team. So um, I could see that being the case where, where that happens and essentially they say to themselves, well, we can kick this, you know, we can kick this down the road a little bit. Maybe we can see if we can try and find a trade partner. Maybe somebody does end up, uh, wake up one day and say, you know what? Let me trade for Matt Murray. We know somebody did a year ago. So maybe somebody else will try and do that again. Maybe the same person could spring for a Matt Murray uh, at some point if they want to to do that. But um, there's still a chance if the buyout window comes and goes and Matt Murray is not bought out that uh, he could be later on this summer and, I would imagine that's how things end up playing out because I don't think there's a possibility that Matt Murray uh, could return to the Maple Leafs um, next year. I just I, I don't see how how they could possibly do that. Murray Samsonov, uh, just one of those two have to be gone, and uh, yeah. I'd probably rather keep Samsonov. Like one hundred percent would rather keep Samsonov.
1: Yeah, you don't want to be. You definitely don't want to be releasing. Uh, are not releasing. You don't want to have to move Samson because you know what he can do. He's the least can be available for you. I I, I said and I, I was hearing Frank Sarvalli also saying like if the Leafs don't buy him out or trade him then LTIR is the next
0: Okay, here, Here's the thing with that though Dave like Matt Murray was healthy in the playoffs last year. He was the team's backup goaltender when Samson got hurt right. He was the team's third goalie up in the press box. Joe Wall was number two. And then when Joe Wall became the one, Samsonoff got hurt. Matt Murray was cleared and good to go. And he sat on the bench and he was the backup. He was healthy. Why all of a sudden do people think that he's just gonna wake up and 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 land on LTIR and be there for the whole season?
1: Well, We've seen it. Guys are healthy, and then something happens in the off season where they get a procedure done or something. But I like don't that.
0: believe that's the. But can you can't if you're the Maple Leafs and you don't go through the bio and you're just sitting there with your fingers absolutely crossed, mm-hmm. thinking, Murray, please get hurt. Murray, please get. No, hurt. I don't you think that. They,
1: they're not going to do that. Like, look, all I mean?
0: the- Like the guy is healthy right now. So one of two things, okay, have to happen. For Murray to end up on LTIR. Either they're gonna game the system and basically say, hey, look, we'll give you your money. Just leave quietly. We'll Robodot Island you and you don't have to worry about playing for the year, right? But what if he doesn't agree to that and he said, No, I want to play. Like I'm still a young guy. I still want to play. Now all of a sudden you still have that nearly five million dollar cap hit on your books. You've got Ilya Samsonov on your books, and you've got Joseph Wall who also cannot go down uh who who could will probably get claimed off waivers if they try to send them down so they'd have to carry try and carry three goalies like it's just such a risky scenario for me to just assume unless there is a wink wink nudge nudge situation which it's not out of the realm of possibility uh, again we've seen it before but it's just Man, it would be a gamble just to say, "Oh, he'll get hurt and end up on LTIR at some point anyway." Well, what if he doesn't? Now you got to play the guy. <laughs> like that that's, that's that's all I'm saying. When when I hear the the Murdy LTIR situation, yeah, that clearly is most beneficial for the Maple Leafs in their cap situation. But I don't think you can guarantee that this guy will end up on LTIR when he was healthy to end the year, and at this point you're just either praying that he does get hurt or he just accepts the fact that he is not wanted by Toronto and just says, fine, LTIR me, and I won't play for the year. That's ultimately what that means, right?
1: Well, I mean, I just I just think that you've seen teams – like, look, uh, Nikita Kutrov had that mysterious hip injury that he had surgery on and missed the whole year and came back from the playoffs in Tampa – Tampa's cap problems are all of a sudden solved. I'm not saying this is like you know, totally like that, but it could it could be a situation like that. I, I just think the Leafs are going to they're they're not gonna rush into buying him out. I mean, obviously they didn't rush into buying him out now because they're not they don't see that as the option right now. Because if they if it was, they would have bought him out already. Right. I don't know if they're if even if that second buyout uh, uh, window opens, I don't think they're gonna do it. They would have done it in the first one. What's changed between now? Like, what would change between well, they, now
0: and the second one well, opens? What I'd say is what changes is they have more time to try and find a better solution is, is what changes, right? Like, they didn't have to make the decision today because in their minds, there's going to be another opportunity in the second buyout window. If they don't have a better option by then, then you buy them out. But if you find somebody at, like, let's say, you know, somebody is willing to take on Matt Murray's deal and it only costs a third-round pick, you 100% do that. They weren't willing to take a third-round pick yesterday, but let's say, you know, they wake up on July 18th and they're willing to accept a third-round pick to take on Matt Murray's contract. You make that trade, 100%. So all this is, I think, is you're waiting for a better option to pop up at some point and for someone to roll the dice on Matt Murray in the same way that Kyle Dubas did last year that Buffalo was trying to do also until Murray said, no, I don't want to go there, and he nixed that trade. Um, But there were a couple of teams that were interested in bringing him in. Maybe there still will be at some point. Maybe an injury occurs somewhere. I don't know, but... To me, I think this buyout is probably plan B. Plan A would be a reasonable trade um, where if you only have to give up a pick or a mid level prospect. But if it, you know, the buyout window comes, the second buyout window comes, and they haven't been able to trade him because the demand to bring on his contract is stupid high still, like a first or a top end talent, then ultimately plan B, all right, we'll just buy him out instead. Like that's what I think is going to happen here.
1: We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we will. We will. We
0: certainly will. Um, are we gonna do a bonus free agent frenzy tomorrow or what? We we haven't even talked about like we're talking about how teams are unable to uh regroup I ain't doing one
1: going. if Ryan Reeves is their big signing on free agent frenzy day. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm saying, but like
0: beforehand, we might have to do a bonus show for Saturday. We might have to do it. We might have to do it. It's a quick turnaround, man. It's insane to me that yeah. there's only 24 hours between the end of the draft and the beginning of free agency. I guess, like, just under 48, technically. But
1: Well, this is a late time. for The draft is usually a week earlier. Yeah,
0: 100%. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, all right, you have one day to collect yourselves, and then, boom, we're right back at it. It's it's going to be wild. And even Tree Living was saying that that might mean that free agency could kind of leak into July a little bit longer than typical. You know, he he made the joke. He's like, yeah, July one, you do all the work of them, but by, by July two, you're out fishing. And, uh, said probably not going to be the case this year. He thinks that there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, signings that will kind of go into the first uh, week or two of July and some bigger names as well, which we kind of saw up in last year too. Remember what was Nazim Kadri went pretty long into, uh, yeah. into free agency before he signed and circle back on Calgary so yeah i could totally see that being the case here again uh this season all right buddy um probably do another show just to kind of preview the the free agent frenzy what we want the leafs to do in uh, in free agency and and we'll see what happens this weekend should be a fun one uh but let's uh that'll do it for us here today on the podcast like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morris Sudi. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Leave a like, uh, a comment on this video if you're watching on YouTube. And uh, we'll be back with another episode for you all tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.